everybody. Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where yesterday I was told I didn't look Jewish. I looked like I was from New York. Well, alrighty then. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m., right after Charlie and right before Nahum's live lunch, as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. And I have to tell you, folks, if you've been following things on Facebook, you know that I, quote-unquote, won Super Bowl tickets this week. Now, of course, that means that I win I win the right to buy tickets, which is, hey, it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. Bucket list item, folks. A uh, bucket list item, that's for sure. But um, it's not like the Super Bowl fairy came and dropped off the two tickets on my pillow. They're still charged my Amex that we have to deal with. But um, very honestly, if that was even the most exciting thing this week, that would have been great. But thank God it has been just a very exciting week here at the network and personally. And uh, the Super Bowl is one of many, many, many exciting moments this week. Coming to you from the home of the Nakam Siegel Network on the semi-beautiful, this semi-beautiful Thursday morning here on the Lower East Side, I am joined by Avrami. How's it going, Avram? Thank God. It's going all right. How are you? How's your commute with the fog? Actually, it was not bad at all because I ended up having uh, a window seat and I had uh, Big There's Downer no with me. You. I had Big Downer uh, with me as code, a big yeah. pillow, and I I really I slept the whole way. But as soon as the bus started moving, until we got somewhere into Manhattan, I mean, I was still exhausted when I got off the bus, but it was it was good. It was Kadai. Yeah, it was a good trip. All right, that's good. The uh, conductor this morning on the Long Island Railroad, as I got on, he looked at the front window, and I sit in the front car because it's the quiet car. And uh, he looks at it, he goes, wow, it's like pea soup. You can't see anything. I'm like, okay. okay so, <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. Speaking of what you just said, how someone said you look like a New Yorker. You sound or look like a no, New Yorker? I look like a New Yorker. Okay, so I'm it's, so not used to this mic. So do you, remember, do you remember the first, it was the first episode of um, of the West Wing where uh, where the woman says that they have a... Uh, like, Connecticut sense of humor. Uh, New York. No, uh, New, New no. York sense. It was a New York right. sense of humor. And, and that's when John, says, oh, good call. And that's when he says they, he, she meant uh, Jewish, not right. New York. That's when Toby says it. Right. So, that was Mary Marsh, so she was by the saying way. you look Jewish, just <laughs> in a different way. <laughs> it was a him. And actually, he said to me that his father was Jewish and his mother was not. Um, lovely, lovely guy named Jeff. And he said to me, people tell me I look Jewish. Do I look Jewish? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what that means ever. I'm like, do I look Jewish? He goes, you don't look Jewish. You look like from New York. I'm like... <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's take that, and uh, as my father would say, let's smoke it in your pipe and see what happens. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you're a returning listener, thanks, as always, for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Victoria Jones does, my new BFF. Friend me on Facebook or send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can shoot me an email, Miriam, at NahumSiegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. I am not being rude. I am being honest, but I will make sure to get back to you afterwards. Please also follow us on Twitter, Nahum Siegel Net, all one word, and Miriam L. Wallach, also all one word. It has been a crazy busy week, and there's nothing to say that we are slowing down one bit. In fact, as many of you know, we will be broadcasting, please God, from Israel next week. We are at the OU Center on Monday. We are in Hebron with the Hebron Fund and Emuna on Tuesday. We are at Crib Efrat on Wednesday, and then Beit O Road on Thursday, and then finally... Unbelievable. Thursday's live lunch will be from Machon Lev, the Jerusalem College of Technology. Folks, I have finally figured out why the flight to Israel is so long, Avram. It's simply so I can sleep. Thank you, God. Let's go to our favorite segment. What does the fortune cookie say? If this fortune cookie, by the way, has anything to do with the Super Bowl, I'm going to freak out. I'm just telling you right now. I'm just telling you right now. Here we go. Here we go. The early bird gets the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. I only got the first part. The second mouse gets the cheese. All right, you know what? 
that lost on me, but I'm happy it has nothing to do with the Super Bowl because it's just been that kind of a week. National holiday. Folks, there's only one holiday that matters today. Avram, do you know what it is? It's Doug Jablon's birthday. Now, folks, if you know, and Nachum was actually very, very nice to Doug this morning. He, to, to Doug this morning. <laughs> he spared Doug the usual JM and the AM Doug Jablon fanfare that takes place on his birthday. But rumor has it that alternate side has been suspended and you don't have to feed your meters. In fact, the rumor continues that there will be a ticker tape parade down the Canyon of Heroes for Doug's birthday because, frankly, that is exactly where he belongs. If you have not already wished Doug a happy birthday, even though Nahum again was nice this morning, and, you know, let it go. I am not that nice. Please call him, beep him, fax him, send him a carrier pigeon, folks. Do whatever you got to do to make sure to wish Doug Jablon a happy, happy birthday. Hanukkah isn't over just yet. There is still time to give, and I want everyone to know that you're going to have to buckle your seatbelts because this is a packed, packed show. The um, My first guest is already on the line, and um, I want to invite... Leon Goldenberg to introduce today's topic. He's the chief bottle washer, at least that's the acronym, after his name. And it's just, it's cute. Leon, you there? I am here, and I'd like to be the first one on the air to wish Doug Jablon a happy birthday. All right, bring it. You know what, Avrami, can you keep a tally? Let's see how many people can wish Doug Jablon a happy birthday. He, all right, he, he, you know what, he got the scratch pad out. He's actually doing it. So, I, I want everyone to understand where we're going today. Two days ago, there was a national day of giving here in the United States. There was even a hashtag. It was called Giving Tuesday. And I heard about it last week or a week and a half ago, and I was inspired to do a show around giving. Now, Hanukkah has a couple hours left here in the United States on the East Coast. And frankly, by the time the sun sets and the sun has already set in Israel, Hanukkah is officially over. But, Leon, you and I both know that the, that the art and the need to give does not end at sundown. It certainly doesn't end at sundown, and it certainly doesn't end with giving cash or check. I say cash. It is actually giving part of your time also. Right. The appeal on giving miser, of giving charity with your time as well as giving it with your money. Now, I know that you and I have spoken before, and actually you've been on um, the air many, many times about talking um, about the art of giving. Tell me, tell us in, in one second or less about the art of giving, but then on the flip side, talk about the art of receiving, because I know that there are plenty of people that are not good about receiving gifts in general and probably are worse about receiving money. You have to repeat it. It was a little unclear. Sorry about that. There's the uh, the connection. I guess the connection's a little bit fuzzy. Let's try it again. Let's talk about the art of giving and then the art of receiving. Of the art of giving. Are you on? A, are you on a Bluetooth, Leon? I'm on a Bluetooth. Which I try my regular phone. Um. Well, I don't. I don't want any accidents. That's uh, I'm that's driving. Okay. Okay. Oh. It's a little clearer now. Oh, there we are. Thank you. Let's try. Third time's a charm. The art of giving, but also the art of receiving. Ah, so you want to know the acronym for Anasnu that it says that Naomi said when uh, when when she went when she sent uh, Ruth to collect, and she says Anasnu, the person that I gave to. So two things: number one, of course, when you give, you receive, and number two, that's one word that uh, I forget what the exact term is, but uh, I think it's a parallelism, something like that, where it actually reads the same way frontwards and backwards. When you give, you receive. A palindrome. Palindrome, that's what it was, and it was something like that. <laughs> uh, uh, but at the end of the day, it is, and I, besides, 
whatever I write on my own, I actually go around, uh, because I do fundraising for, among other things, mainly for Shalom Right. So I get to see both sides of how people react when you call them, and uh, sometimes you're very grat- very gratifying, and sometimes uh, you get disappointed. But the reality is, is that when you do give, when you give up of your money and when you give up your time, and you see, without actually seeing the person that, that you specifically gave to, it's very gratifying. It's very gratifying to know that you have done something to help them. Is there are there techniques that work and there are and are there techniques that don't? No, everybody's different. So give us so tell us what works for you because thank God many people have been the beneficiary have been the beneficiaries of your tzedakah and of your time. Um, and again, you you fundraise, you know, thank God successfully. So tell us what works for you. It it's not what works for me. It works for the other person. Ah. It, it, every person is different. Some people actually uh, want to see where they're giving to. Some people don't. Some people uh, want to be cultivated. And some people, when there's a hot uh, about a bus, they come. They think, you know, somebody's giving up of their time. That's more important than a fundraiser who's being paid to fundraise. Mm. But one thing that is clear, something that I heard uh, Rav Palm said when he was asked, should I follow? When I give tzedakah, if you take a look in, in this psalm, it says first you're supposed to give to a tamachach, then you're supposed to give to a tamachach, that's money. So he was asked, should I follow exactly halacha? But Tom said, no. Tom said, follow your heart. He said, if you follow your heart, you're going to give tzedakah, and you're going to give, it, you're going to give more than your mice. If you follow halacha perfectly, you're going to say, well, I earned so much, but really I can deduct, well, I can deduct my daughter's education, which at the time that this was written, daughter's education was not as important and was not a given. Hmm. Deduct this, and I can deduct that. And by the time you're done, your miser, the amount that you're giving, will be much, much smaller. So if you give where your heart follows, therefore, that's what's important when you approach somebody is to try to find out whether what you're going for is something that pulls him in, or her in, draws them in, okay? And if it is, you'll have more success. If not, you're really trading on who you are and your relationship. Le- Leon, is there ever, do you ever miss a first opportunity? I mean, is there a second shot um, if you approach somebody to give staka and all of a sudden you completely strike out and whatever techniques you thought would work with that individual seem to, you know, that, that person completely doesn't respond? Like, is there an opportunity to try it again? It depends on how it broke up. Sometimes a person says, uh, right now is not a good time, so you have another chance. Sometimes the cutoff is so short and that you know you're not going back again. Now, you can sometimes wait a very long time, a year or even longer before you make the approach again. Mm. Uh, Once you've been doing it for a while, you feel and you know uh, pretty quick whether you're going to succeed or not succeed. And again, I think a lot of that depends on, especially if you're not even a fundraiser, 
depends on your relationship with the person, what you're collecting for, and whether or not it's something that really tugs at their heart. What was the first stucca that really tugged at your heart? Uh, Shabbos. Mm. My father had a little butcher store, and uh, he used to have uh, a lot of customers. I used to make deliveries for him as a kid, and uh, he used to tell me certain customers, ring the bell and walk away from me. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, uh, why do I have to walk away? And he said, uh, these people don't like to tip. <laughs> I was 12 years old at the time. And I said, Ta, I don't know how to tell you, but you have a lot of customers that don't like to tip. <laughs> I think that's a, it's, it's a great moral. It's a great lesson to have as a child and obviously something that has stayed with you. And um, it's a value. It's part of your moral system, your, your values that you've taken with you and obviously instilled in your kids as well. Do your kids join you um, on the same endeavors that you do, or they have their own pet stuck out? Right. So they actually opened up. My father was in the hospital for nine weeks. Uh, he had a heart attack. He never came out. He was there for three weeks. I walked in on a Shabbos. There's a gentleman uh, talking to my father. And when he sees me, he bends down to my father and he says to my father, whatever, they whisper back and forth a little bit, picks himself up, says to Shabbos, uh, Shabbos even with it, and he walks out. I said, my father, who is that? I don't know. I don't know his name. I said, what was the big secret? He says, the big secret was, he said, he sees I'm in the hospital for three weeks. And he wants to know, since I spent three weeks in the hospital and I'm not working, is there food at home? Mm. Wow. So I, so I said, uh, so that's what he asked. She says, yes, he wants to know if we have food at home. We're in the hospital all the time. And my father took that opportunity to tell me not only... Uh, you know, that Hashem, we have food, and what we weren't doing very well, but we certainly had food, uh, very far from middle income. And he says, but don't forget, the people that I have been sending food to for free must continue to get you while I'm in the hospital. Wow. I'll come out, and, I'll, you know, I'll be back at the store, and I'll take care of it, make sure that they continue to get food. And that was Mr. Herschel who said that. I found out yesterday. Father passed away a few weeks later, and that's how he started from his shops. He used to visit the hospital to find people that told him, he says, I'm in the hospital for a while. It's not like they were to get you in and out for hours or two days or three days. Then you be in the hospital for weeks and months. It can happen today also, but it's rare. And uh, so, therefore, I thought it was very appropriate. Uh, get involved with some fish shops. So that was my first stop. And your kids? Yeah, yeah. 39 years. And uh, sorry to say that they're still in business. You know? <sighs> Our bond is hope that they, as many to us, right. uh, close down. But the uh, reality is that until uh, Mashiach comes, they're not close. There's, <laughs> yes. Close down then. That is, it's it's true. That is always the sentiment of all these different organizations that we have on. Um, that whether it's from Sharsharad or Tom Shabbos or no matter what it is, we're obviously filling a need in the community. There's a there's a a need for 
um, in, information and resources having to do with breast cancer if you're a, if you're a Jewish woman or not a Jewish woman, but that's what Shasharat was based upon. And there's a need for Tom Chay Shabbos. And yes, every organization wishes that they weren't in business, wishes that they were not. Uh, needed as much as they are. But the reality is, is that they are. We are calling on all of our listeners to be inspired, both by Leon's works and by the works of Tom Cheshabas and everything else that goes on, all the giving that has, that, that can be done, that can be done within the few hours left here of Hanukkah, the dedication that can be made, whether it's signing up to volunteer at Muspia, signing up to pack packages at Tom Shabbos, or to give your $18 or whatever it is, whatever you can, this is the time to give. If you if you need a moment, folks, this is the time to give. We're continuing Giving Tuesday from the other day. We're having our own giving moment here on That's Life, on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are hoping that um, all the different stories and, and Leon, you know, being our quarterback, so to speak, this morning to continue my Super Bowl conversation – as as uh, leading inspirer, having to do with um, with different stock coat that you will be inspired to do so. Leon, if there was one message that you wanted to give somebody who was on the fence, one more thing. Yes, sir. Not just time, not just money again. Time. All okay. the time of Shabbos and they exist today in most communities. They all rely on volunteers to deliver the packages. They all do, and so therefore, not everybody can afford to write a check. Almost everybody can afford to give some of his time to help, whether it's that, whether it's Kojo Flatbush, as well as other organizations that have 600 volunteers going out to the home now. There are plenty of ways for you to give your time without running a charity, just delivering the packages on a Thursday night for some Shabbos, packing the packages, uh, visiting the homebound, doing their shopping for them, we're just visiting them and saying, "Hi, I'm here." Mm, right. You know, uh, just just to just to leave us off because um, we are a packed show. I was visiting a friend of mine in the hospital a couple of weeks ago, and in came a woman who we did not know, and it was a Manhattan hospital. And you know that there are different your home societies that come by and visit people, etc. And so this friend of mine said to her, "Well, which which Beaker uh, are you are you from?" And she said, "Mine." She said, I just decided to start doing it a couple weeks ago, and her shopping bags were filled with food, with cut fruit, with with candies, with whatever it is that a patient could possibly want in Sloan Kettering. And this, and after this woman left, and again, no names, no nothing or whatever, just like a malach, there is so much that can be done um, just by giving of your time, if you have the time, or, or, or whatever it is, there are so many ways to make a difference in somebody's life. Leon, I thank you so much for taking the time this morning. I really appreciate it. You should continue to do the good work that you do on behalf of Claudia Yisrael. Okay. I just tell everybody I'm on my way to Shalom Torah Center now where we're having a dedication of our new science lab this morning. Mazal Tov. Uh, we have a special guest, Rich Roberts from Blakewood. We'll be talking to the kids. Explaining to them what it's like being a businessman, a scientist, and being an Orthodox. Well, call a kavod to him. Yes, if anybody's going to talk about science, it's definitely going to be Dr. Rich Roberts. Thank you, Leon Koltov. Take care. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And uh, my next call, my next interview is Yummy Shafter, who joins us on the phone from Toronto. Hello, Yummy. Good morning, Miriam. How are you? Baruch Hashem, how are you? Good. Can't hear you so well. Are you in Bluetooth? <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, you're probably the first person on the planet to ever tell me that they can't hear me. 
Okay, so are you really? On? Happy are you, thank you. You two, are you really can't hear me, or you were being cute? Um, no, being I want cute, being cute comes naturally, but I really can't hear you. Oh but shoot! Okay. We'll, we'll, uh, All right, we'll no, no, no. It. I just want to. If there's a problem with this mic, I definitely need to know it. Um, no, listen, I appreciate you joining me. Happy Hanukkah to you. I invited Yummy on the air. Invited you on the air specifically because, um, as a Facebook friend and a person who. Um, has the opportunity to, I don't want to say Shep a little nachos from all the good, the gold, good works that you do, but actually to share in some of the moments, even though we don't live in the same communities, um, and uh, of the different ways that you give of your time, um, sweat equity, as my husband would, would refer to it. It's not giving of your money. It's giving of your time. It's giving of your heart. And that's something that Leon alluded to a couple of minutes ago. And I know you have a number of stuckas, a number of stuckot that are all, um, that are part of your, uh, top 10, or I should say some certain things that keep close to your heart. But let's talk for a second about the video that went completely viral of the, um, the girl who sang the song, uh, Roar by Katy Perry and who made this lasting impact, um, on the world before she passed. Wow. Uh, I wasn't expecting this. What, what exactly could we discuss? Well, I, mean, I th- We had a girl who, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is part of what, you know, a lot of people don't realize. This specifically happens to be a, happened to be a high lifeline family. Right. And, you know, what many people don't realize is, I mean, a lot of people probably don't realize what high lifeline actually does and how, uh, great the scope of their work actually is. So, you know, uh, they happen to have over 25 year-round programs, which are all, all free of charge, um, which help support both the child who's sick as well as their family. So as many people know, when a child is suddenly diagnosed out of nowhere with a, you know, horrific disease uh, or illness of some kind, uh, it has a tremendous impact on the family. Very often, you know, one of the parents has to give up a job. Someone always has to be in the hospital. And the siblings end up getting neglected and all kinds of things happen. And that's where High Lifeline really steps in all the time and fills pretty much any void or any gap that's created in a family unit as a result of, you know, being hit suddenly with, uh, with illness. So this specific, uh, girl that you're discussing, Olivia Wise, um, I only met her once, which was, uh, uh, must have been about a year ago. Uh, soon after she was diagnosed, she had a very uh, strong passion for music. Um, and I got a call from Kai Lifeline to see if there's anything I could do for her. She is a huge fan of Drake. So Drake at the time, who, for those of you who I guess don't know, is, uh, I guess he's a pretty well-known rapper. Yeah, that's pretty, um, that's, that's, well, that's putting it well. Yeah. I think, yeah, <laughs> if he still is. And anyway, um, I reached out to his people and told them that, you know, we have a girl and her siblings and her family and it would make a, you know, it would be a big deal for them and they're going through a very hard time if they could, you know, they just want to meet you or come to a show or something like that. And he, uh, in his very kind and generous way, which he's showed to specifically to High Lifeline many times, um, not only invited them to, um, I guess he won up to everyone in a way that nobody expected. He invited them to join him on a music video set for the day. Wow. So they got to meet him and be on his video and everything. So um, the idea for uh, fast-forwarding to, you know, six months after that, the idea of Olivia recording uh, Katy Perry's Roar song, which the words of the song 
I guess, have a lot to do with her situation and what she was going through. Um, that had nothing to do with High Lifeline. It was actually an idea of her cousins. Um, but once the video came out, it was something that touched me as well as anyone who saw it very deeply. And we just started to send it around and try to help uh, make sure that her voice is heard and that, you know, we knew kind of what was coming. And we wanted to make sure that before uh, before she left the world that she made a tremendous impact, which she certainly did. Yeah, I um, would. To I... the point where, you know, as everybody knows by now, um, we got the video to Katy Perry. We got Katy Perry to respond. Um, and Katy Perry uh, sent messages and spoke with the family, you know, following her passing as well. So it's uh, it's gotten a lot of attention. But um, aside from being very happy with the fact that, you know, Olivia's voice was heard, that a girl who's only 16 years old left an incredible mark on the world, um, you know, it's important for people to realize that these are the types of things that, organizations like High Life, I'm not saying there's no one else doing things like this, but these are the types of things that, if not for the media, this is constantly done every day of the year, uh, round the clock, you know, in ways that people never hear about it. So these, there's so much that they do that people don't hear about. It's little things like this that could really give kids the, the drive and the fight to keep going and to keep, uh, keep fighting through their, their illness. And it's, and what your, what your, the role that you played in this and in the Drake story and everything else, um, just speaks to the fact that being a piece of the puzzle, if that's how you give, then it still goes a long way into impacting the life of somebody else. And on a day when we're talking about giving, we're talking about giving of time, we're talking about giving of finances, we're also about talking about giving of connections. Your, whether it was a phone call that somebody can make on behalf of somebody else, or whatever it is, to be able to bring that staka, that chesed, together is not only incredibly gratifying, but exactly what we're talking about. The Torah doesn't just dictate giving miser financially. We are meant to, to take care of each other. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think I, I've, been, I've been saying forever that one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to charity is that people think that you need money to be generous, right. and it really, really doesn't work like that. I mean, I've been fortunate to achieve things for certain charities things that no money in the world would have ever been able to get for them. Um, you know, if I'm not in a financial position to give as much as I'd like to give to all the organizations that I'm involved with, and there are so many amazing causes out there doing so much for so many communities, um, if I can give a, give to them in the form of my time or making an introduction, I mean, it's the same thing I tell people very often in business as well. You know, too many people are concerned about their uh, you know, what commission am I going to get if mm. something happens, if I make an introduction to this and that? And, and nine times out of ten, nothing even comes of the introduction that you're making for someone. And my attitude is, and, you know, I'm sure there are people who disagree with me, but I could say, you know, from firsthand experience that it, it works. Just give. Like, what, right. what makes the world go around is, is ideas and discussions. And the more ideas and the more discussions that you can facilitate for other people, Without worrying about what you're going to get, it will come back to you a hundred, a hundred times more. You can never, you'll, back. you'll never run out of generosity. Always be generous is something I actually tell um, students that, uh, that I mentor. Always be generous and speak to be heard. Those are like my two. Um, my two mantras, so to speak. And I, and, and I think it just, I think it speaks to not only what you do both personally and professionally, because professionally with one of the websites, Charity Bids, 
Um, you're you're helping charities in another way and through your business, which I think is obviously completely wonderful and amazing and creative. Um, but there are before we run out of time, I do want to discuss uh, cover two other organizations that I know you're that are very close to your heart. And one of which I don't know that everyone is familiar with. One is United Hatzalah of Israel, which unfortunately plays a very, very important role. Um, in the safety of Israeli society. And then there's Torah High. So I want to make sure to cover both of them before we run out of time. We can. I mean, there's not much to discuss. Again, there are so <laughs> many great organizations out there. Right. Um, United Hotel of Israel has been featured and discussed on the Nachum Siegel Show many times before. Um, it's no different, really, than, you know, Hotel that we know of in the States. The only difference is that they are so far ahead of where we are as far as technology is concerned, as right. far as response times are concerned and their training is concerned. Um, not to belittle Chatzor Shalom, any of the, um, you know, uh, selfless volunteers who work for any Atala anywhere else in the world. My, um, you know, I, I became very connected with that cause probably about 15 years ago. And what continues to drive me and what continues to inspire me is that they never stop um, trying to figure out what technologies could we use to um, you know, to make our response time faster. What trainings could we do to make people more um, able to respond to more types of situations and scenarios, whether it be a mass casualty event or a, you know, a regular emergency call? Right. It's just, it's just an amazing organization. I, you know, I urge people to check out what they do. And Torah High is something, especially, uh, you know, it's, it's always been something that since they started has been. Um, something I care deeply about, but it's a very, very interesting concept, which started originally by Rabbi Glenn Black, who uh, is the head of NTSY in Canada. He started Torah High, especially after many people, I'm sure, have been discussing and worried about and talking about the Pew uh, study that came out. Sure. We all know where, uh, unfortunately, where things are headed and what, what things look like. Uh, Torah High is very... First of all, I'll start by saying NTSY in Canada is extremely different than NTSY as I knew it growing up in, you know, the New York, New Jersey area. New York, New Jersey area, a lot of the kids who went to, um, to NTSY or attended NTSY events, many of them were from, from families, and it was just a way for people to connect with other Jewish kids and stuff like that. But here, there are really thousands and thousands of uh, public school kids who really have zero affiliation mm. to, from Kaitskirishka, and they really don't know anything. So Torah High, the purpose of Torah High is what, what it, it's really a very creative idea that Rabbi Black came up with, which is he has an after-school program for, it started in Toronto, and it quickly mushroomed into over 400 kids every night. Wow. Going to after-school Jewish studies programs, and the catch is, obviously aside for free food, <laughs> the catch is that they actually get credit towards their high school uh, diploma. So Really? Could, yes. So they could opt out out of an elective in high school and instead spend time with other Jewish kids from other schools after school in a more laid-back environment where they're getting food and they're learning about their Jewish heritage and stuff like that. And really, the main objective of Torah High is not to do kiruv and not to make anyone from... It's to connect people with their Jewish identity, to let them know that they're Jewish, to let them know how beautiful it is to be a Jew, and to connect with other Jews from other places in the hope that they will marry someone Jewish. Is there... Not not to um, not to push my own um, one of my own favorite stuck code in the last minute that we have. But do number of these kids from Torah High then proceed onto birthright? I'm just curious. Yes, they they do. They go on some of the right. NTSY summer programs. Right. 
great. Uh, they go. Some of them end up going to Israel for the year. It's amazing what they do. And since since starting here and since being extremely successful here in Toronto, they've opened in Ottawa, they've opened in Montreal, they've opened in Vancouver, and now they're actually rolling this program out across the state. So it's going to be something that people will start hearing a lot more about, even though it's something that people are not so familiar with now. Wow. I just want to, if we can, sure. I, I want to tell you something really beautiful that came up last night. We were in the car on the way back from visiting someone in the hospital, and uh, we were talking about um, basically some of the lessons of Hanukkah, which uh, I think an interesting and relevant idea came up to what we're discussing today, that on Hanukkah we celebrate two miracles. The first is the miracle of the war, that the small and the weak defeated the large, powerful, and mighty. And the second is that a small jug of oil, which was meant to last for one day, lasted for eight days. And the question is, um, the miracle of the war seems so much greater and more important to our story, certainly our story as a people, than the miracle of the oil. So why did Hashem have to even make the miracle of the oil after the miracle of the war? And why do we celebrate what's seemingly a small miracle that pales in comparison to the great miracle of the war? I was in the car with uh, Shlomo Reichman. And he basically suggested something really beautiful, which I think, again, ties into Hanukkah and our discussion of today. Um, and, and he said that once Hashem saved us as a people through the miracle of the war, he made another small miracle, basically a gesture, to show, simply to show that he loves us. So he compared the miracle of the oil to a kiss, which you give to someone for no other reason than to express your feelings of love towards that person. And that's really what Hanukkah is all about. That, um, and, and that's that was really mm. the miracle of the oil, which is what he was suggesting. It's a sign of love and affection. It's kind of a gift, uh, kiss that Hashem is giving to his people. So Hanukkah is That's when we're right. reminded to do things not because we have to, but because we want to. That's beautiful. Right? Just to show our love for others, we're reminded to give unconditionally to other people because deep inside that's what we want to do and not because that's what we have to do. The concept of Meister sometimes is taken a bit too literally by people. <laughs> and I know that we've discussed before that there are actually halakhic restrictions as to how much money a person can give. But mm. from what I know and from what you know, I don't think there's any restrictions as to how much a person is allowed to give of their time or of their contacts or, or whatever. Of, or of their so love. There's so many ways to give, <laughs> and that's what it's about. Right. Yummy, that was that was fantastic. And and that was fantastic. You're, uh, you're rendering me speechless. Yummy Shafter from Toronto, thank you so much for giving us of your time here on That's Life this morning and in general for the work that you do for Kali Yisrael. Thank you, Miriam. Have a great day and a frail conquer to everyone. Thank you. You too. Bye You're bye. listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Wow. I don't know how you follow that, but we're going to try very, very hard. Seth Feuerstein-Rudin is from Students Helping Students at Yeshiva University. He joins us here in the studio this morning. Hello, Seth. Hello, Miriam. I'm over here. <laughs> there you are. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming down here this morning. I know the weather is not so great, but the organization that you represent and that you're here to talk about this morning, Students Helping Students, is that great. So tell everybody what it's about. Students Helping Students is a club in Yeshiva University that what we do is we try to raise awareness for the scholarship need while also creating fundraisers and social events. That way, in the future, everyone has a better image of having a better time at YU, so that way they're more willing to give back. 
My first uh, experience or my first interaction with students helping students was Dreidel Palooza, which was a couple of years ago. It might be before your time. Is it before your time? That was before my time. <laughs> but you know what it is, right? Yes. Thank you, Matt Yaniv. That was a great program. Dreidel Palooza was a uh, record-breaking, dreidel-spinning event that took place in the, in the uh, Max Stern Athletic Center at Yeshiva University. And it was a fundraiser. And every and um, everyone who went to spin a dreidel and be part of the moment gave to students helping students. And I honestly hadn't heard of the organization beforehand. I, I might have graduated Stern just a little bit ago. And um, and I was so excited to hear about that because, yes, there is a need. Um, there is a huge scholarship need, obviously, both at Yeshiva University and across across the world for, for us to help students get in and, and be educated. But specifically at, at YU, um, this organization really spoke to me as being part of the culture, that everyone is in this together and that it is our responsibility to help along our fellow students who need help. As you mentioned, yes, it was Giving Tuesday. So two days ago, right? Two days ago. Yeah, I know. I'm uh, also. I, I would think I was jet lag, but I was just in D.C. There's no jet. There's no uh, air time uh, time difference. But anyway, yeah. So, while you was also on the scene of Giving Tuesday, right? Using SHS, and what we have is a senior class gift, mm. uh, which is another committee that I'm in charge of. And what we we were out there Giving Tuesday tabling and making sure you know everyone knew what's happening and creating awareness and actually on both campuses we raised over six hundred dollars wow so that's beautiful tell me what those how those funds then meet the needs of students so the funds will then be directed into the scholarship fund directly okay no overhead no nothing um but also it's a matter of if you continue to create this atmosphere of giving while you're in college then when they graduate and everything then, you know, when you graduate, you have your senior class gift, which is this year $20.14 in commemoration of the year that we're going to graduate. That's great. That you give and you say, I'm giving back to YU. And then hopefully after that, you then still have this in mind and you still give and give for years to come, which is really what's important. Right. And obviously, in, as part of the education at YU, it's not just about what you learn in the classroom. It's about what you learn outside of the classroom as well. And this is part of the culture at YU to give back not only to the community, but also to your fellow students. What were some of the fundraisers that took place on Tuesday to raise that $600? On Tuesday, we campaigned for senior class gift, which is, as I said, $20.14. Right. Um, we also had raffles for various prizes to Gothenburger. YU swag, a sweatshirt, nice. um, little trinkets if you gave a certain amount. Of course, candy. Right, candy hey. is always a big one. Um, I would have gone for that one, yeah. Um, but also a lot of it, as I said, was just creating awareness. Right. A lot of guys came up to us and said, I don't happen to have cash on me. What, how can I give? Hmm. Um, and it's important that we were there and we told them. And I told them to find me on campus. I'll happily forward the money or I told them where the office is. And it's creating this culture, which is really what we're working on this year. That's great. What about, uh, tell me from your experience, I mean, you're graduating and you've obviously had um, a great experience at YU. I can speak for you on that because anybody who is leading an organization like this, who is president of an organization like this, understands um, what it means to be a YU student. So tell me um, or tell our listeners how important your YU education is to you. It's, I can't tell you how important it is to me. The fact is, 
I decided to go to YU mid-Israel. Mm. Um, and YU has become part of me. It's my religious experience in college. It's my the Rebbe that I'm closest to now. You know, he's a YU Rebbe. He's my Shia Rebbe. Um, it's, if I ever have a question, someone's always there. It's an open school. Whether it's the teachers that are helping me find job placement, whether it's a career center that's helping me find job placement, whether it's a teacher that's just there to talk. Um, it is, I really delved into it, and mm. it's become such an integral part of me. That's great. Where were you planning on going? Or do you want to talk about that on the air? Are no, your parents that's listening? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> my parents know. Um, I was going to go to Binghamton. Uh-huh. Um, my grandparents live up there, and it was a good school for education. Right, sure. Since then, I switched to Queens. Okay. And then Queens was okay, and I decided to make my choice to go to YU and go into business. Oh, wow. So you're in Sims? I'm in Sci Sims, yes. Very nice. And um, where are you going next year? Finding a job, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> as as many, many are. You know, I personally enjoy having students from YU and from Stern um, on the air, and I know Nachum feels that way also, because the best spokespeople for the university are really the students themselves. And, and Nachum is an alum, and, and I'm a proud Stern alum, and my brothers, and I'm a third generation, one, two, three, sorry, fourth generation YU grad. My grandfather, uh, sorry, really third generation. My grandfather graduated from YU, my dad, my brothers, and I. Um, it's a family business, so to speak. And we really appreciate our um, experience both in the Midtown campus and uptown. And so I know where you're coming from. I know what it means to be part of that group. And I can tell you that even, you know, a few years after graduating, that I still look back on those years incredibly fondly. Um, what kind of advice would you give to students now who are at YU or who are thinking about going to YU? It's not just about going to YU. But it's about getting involved in something that you love, something that you can find. And the way you end up loving something is getting involved in it and putting a lot of effort into it. I see kids walk around YU doing, you know, nothing, coasting. Right. And then I see my group of friends. Mm. You know, I have a friend that's an RA. Uh, he's in charge of the psychology club. He's in charge of the student life committee. He's in charge of a million other things. Wow. And you can really see the leaders and how happy they are to be in YU. Those are the, that's how you do it. You have to pick something. You have to lead it. You have to get involved. If you're not involved, you end up just sitting there and you're bored. See, I think that's also a very good lesson for life in terms of people who are listening now who don't know, or I should say who don't have a pet charity or who do not know how to get involved. And when we're talking about giving today, and your advice is good, get involved in something you will learn to love it. It will grow on you and it will become part of you. And for those people who are sitting at home saying, you know, I don't do tempre, I don't do this, I don't do that. And frankly, I don't know if I do much of anything specific. I give my $18 in an envelope and that's great. We are totally not knocking that. All donations are gratefully accepted by everyone. Every single organization. But find something you love. Be passionate. Be passionate about something so that you can give, not just of your money, but of your time. And I think that probably, you know, Students Helping Students is an organization that takes a tremendous amount of your time. Am I right? Yes. It is one of the three organizations I work with, that, and I'm usually on emails or talking to people about it. And what are the other things? You said class president? Was that? Senior class gift, which is okay. linked to students helping students. Okay. Um, and also the human resource management club. 
Which means what? Um, for those interested in the human resource field, okay, we have a club that is we're actually setting up a panel and stuff for the club, and that way people can be exposed to the different parts of the human resource business. Oh wow, that's fantastic. Okay, so for those people who are looking to give now, we have some. Let's say we have somebody right now who's either on Facebook or listening to us on the air at NachumSiegel.com, and they want to give to students helping students. Tell people right now how they can make a donation, even if they're not a student. Tell them how they can give to what you're doing. There is a giving page on the YU website. Okay. I think it's YU backslash YU giving. Okay. Um, That's YU.edu backslash YU giving. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. And on the, or you can search giving. Okay. And there you're able to give and donate. It says you can give not only to students helping students doesn't have funds, really. We take all of our funds and we put it into scholarships. So you can donate to scholarships or to the annual fund um, on the website. I am just checking that now, and I will confirm that website. Um, I will confirm that URL in a minute or two whenever that page Loads. It looks like our system is slow. But I want to thank you very, very much, Seth Feuerstein-Rudin, for joining us this morning. You Feel free to stay till the end of the show. Absolutely. You don't have to leave just yet um, because Moshe Hecht is on the phone. He's And, again, Seth is from Students Helping Students. You can go to yu.edu backslash yugiving. So that's what we said. I'm just confirming that. And please give what you can because if you want to make sure that a kid continues with their Jewish education beyond their high school year, beyond their year in Israel, and that we continue to foster the growth of um, educated Jewish adults, YU is the place to give. So, Seth, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And Moshe Hecht, somebody whose Facebook page looks like it's been rocking the last couple of days, joins us on the air. Hello, Moshe. Hey, Miriam. How you doing? I'm good. How was L.A.? L.A. was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, what a show. Uh, it was just uh, incredible. Maybe our biggest uh, biggest crowd yet. Oh, really? Um, I mean, uh, you know, we're not that popular. <laughs> oh, stop it. Give me a break. Moshe Hecht is a king. you got to be kidding me. Um, For those people who are not following along, Moshe is actually really part of this show. We're not just here to schmooze because Moshe is headlining the New Year's Eve fundraiser, fundraiser sorry, an elegant evening to fight ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease. It's taking place Tuesday, December 31st at 8 p.m. at Beth Shalom in Lawrence. And it is a fundraiser for the Shirat Devorah ALS Foundation. Now, um, I know that we have had on the beneficiary of that um, organization before, and um, she's a wonderful person who lives in the five towns who, at a very young age um, and with very young children, was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. And the community is rallying to help her provide and make the adjustments uh, necessary in her home so that she can um, facilitate and uh, facilitate, well, I should say, so that the improvements can facilitate um, her continued growth and stability and um, and her family's growth and stability and their comfort, et cetera, um, e- even while she battles this disease. So I, I know, Moshe, that um, 
they were very lucky to have you join them um, as part of this process. But it has to also be gratifying for you to know that you're not just doing a show. And, and by the way, doing a show in L.A. Um, is, is fantastic. But doing a show when you're also doing it for a stucca that people can give and people can enjoy also has to be additionally gratifying. Yeah, you know, I, I, w- I was listening into your show um, a little bit earlier on, on this show. I do listen to your show, Miriam. <laughs> <laughs> and I listen to your music in the car, so we're even. <laughs> okay, awesome, okay. Um, I, 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 I missed the, the, the person's name, and I was just listening in. I just heard about two or three minutes, but he mentioned something that um, he was saying that, you know, people think that if they don't have money, they can't give tzedakah. Um, right, that was Yummy That was yummy Shafter calling in from Toronto. Yes. So, um, and I, it, that, that resonated with me um, very, very much, something that I, I, I really, truly, um, truly believe. Um, you know, they say, you know, on Shabbos, you know, in Hasidim, in the Amal Abavach you know, we, we do three things before um, we, 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 we daven in the morning, or at least we're supposed to. Um, and, you know, the three things are um, our, our mikvah, it, uh, you know, we go to mikvah before you daven, and you give and you and you give tzedakah, and you learn a little bit of of Hasidus. So the question is, like, what do you do Shabbos morning when you can't give when you can't give tzedakah? So, um, so it, it, the 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 rebbe's explain that if you, on Shabbos morning you just you know in, instead of giving actual money in the tzedakah, you do a chesed for somebody. Mm. You do it. You you have a little bit of extra avos yisrael, and you do a kindness because ultimately that's what what tzedakah is. Um, and for me to be able to you, you know, to, to, to bring my music to this event, it's, it's my tzedakah to, you know, it's, it's, it's my kindness and it's my tzedakah to be able to help support, um, this, uh, this unbelievable event. It also makes you part of the community. You know, it, a part of, uh, of the struggle of any group when they hear that there's a tragedy or that they hear that somebody is stricken with an illness is that everyone feels helpless. Everyone feels useless. We, we are not, you and I are not able to go into a lab and come up with a cure for cancer, for ALS, for, for other diseases that are plaguing our, our people. But we can give in another way. We can help. And I think that that's what this night speaks to the fact that your talent and the 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 circle of friends that are surrounding Devora and um and came up with this concept really speaks to the fact that no we can't go into a lab that's not our expertise but this is and we're going to use those talents and those expertise to help out someone else yeah um and i think i mean that's that's so true um, and, you know, I've been very much involved in, you know, in the Friendship Circle organization. You know, I wrote the song, My Friend. Right. And one thing I've, I've seen so prevalent in that organization, that it's not an organization, like you say, to help cure, um, you know, children that have, you know, children and adults who have, who have, who have diseases or special, or special needs, and it's just simple friendship. It's an organization to, to, to create friendship and, and support. Um, and, 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 you know, you see the, the response and you see the, the results, um, that come from just simple friendship is unbelievable. And I think you can sort of say the same thing about this event that it's, again, it's support, it's, it's, it's friendship, it's, um, it, it's just reassurance and it's creating a, you know, a, a network and a, and a, and a, you know, a foundation of, 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 of supporters around Devora and around, and around the cause. So, 
It also yeah. raises it also raises awareness. It also it raises awareness to um, Lou Gehrig's disease, to ALS, and how young a person can be and and, and still be stricken with the disease. Um, I, I don't know what the average age is or what the typical age is, but because Devorah and I are similar in age, it's a couple of years apart. Um, and I consider myself very young and so does she. It's just mind boggling. So there's something, there's something to that. And there's also something to the fact that every little bit helps. Admissions, by the way, admissions and raffles and et cetera, uh, um, are available. It's $50 per person until the 24th of December. Anybody who buys from the 25th to the 31st of December, it's $65, $75 at the door. And again, all proceeds will go to the Shirat Devora ALS Foundation, which is a 501c3. Dead serious, folks. This is a tax exempt donation. So you get to go listen to Moshe Hecht. <laughs> you get to have an evening out where many people don't have work the next day and you get to do something great. You get to help a fellow Jew. You don't have to know Devorah. Even if you don't know Devorah, you can go. And if you do know Devorah, even even better. But again, this is this is just a moment where you can celebrate life do something great and give in a way that is going to directly affect somebody e- just immediately, absolutely immediately. You can email New Year's Eve fundraiser at gmail.com for more information. That's all one word, New Year's Eve fundraiser at gmail.com. Checks will be mailable and payable, I should say, to Shirat-Devora with an H at the end, ALS Foundation. You can mail it or drop it off at 636 Derby Avenue, Woodmere, New York, 11598. And the event starts at 8 p.m. Moshe, what time are you taking the stage? Um, I don't know. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to hit the stage 10 seconds before midnight, so that'll, uh, you know, get the crowd going. Oh, I have, a, let me tell you something. I, you know, you, C, Noah, I mean, these are, you guys are the ones I want to hear, uh, on, uh, December 31st. That is for sure. If anybody's going to bring down the house, it's going to be you. Moshe, continued Hatzlacha. You know, I'm a huge fan of your music. It's, um, I, I wish I was embarrassed about how much I listen to your music, but I'm not. <laughs> Thank you, Miriam. You know, we, we definitely have to get some uh, new music out very soon. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, I listened to those tracks that you did live in the studio when you were on the last time. Very good. Very yeah. good. You know, I, I just want to mention, just to, just to add what you, were, what you were saying about the event. Sure. I just think these, these types of events are so epic um, because, um, you know, it's just about, you, you know, you could give Sadaki, you could write a check out to an organization and you could feel good about yourself. But here, you're just really bringing two worlds together. Just right. having an awesome time. I mean, what are you going to do New Year's Eve? I mean, the last time I went to, you know, celebrate New Year's Eve, it was a long time ago. Um, and I'm just sick and tired of sitting, standing out of the cold um, <laughs> in Times Square where you can't even see the ball drop unless you're, like, there from, like, December 25th. Right. Um, Not me. So, so this is just a night where you just come celebrate New Year's Eve and have an awesome time. And it's not just going to be me. There's going to be a DJ. There's going to be other ent- entertainment. There's going to be food. It's just going to be – there's going to be drinks. Um, and all at the same time, you go to sleep at night at, at that night. And, you, I mean, if you sleep, if you sleep that night and you're right. like, you sit back and I had a great time. And then, hey, and you know what? And the money that I, that I think went to an unbelievable cause. Absolutely. So it's just, that's why I'm just I'm a huge fan of these type of events. So I'm coming, of course. My wife's going to be there. I'm going to be sending out the invitation to all of my friends hoping evening. I got buddies out in, 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 in five towns. So I'm going to be um, pushing this event very hard because I think it's just, um, 
it's a perfect blend of a good time and 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 obviously throw and giving tzedakah. It's unbelievable. Thank you, Moshe. Thanks so much for joining me again. Anybody who has any questions, go to New Year's Eve fundraiser at gmail.com. The evening includes. Um, Azamra DJ Moshe Hecht Fun and Entertainment with Mark Garfinkel He is a magician and mentalist There's food, wine, and liquor Again, get your tickets before the 24th of December It is $50 a person $65 between the 25th and the 31st And $75 at the door New Year's Eve fundraiser at gmail.com That's Tuesday the 31st of December At 8pm at Beth Shalom and Lawrence Don't miss it Wow, alright, we have three minutes left Nachum is in the other room Avrami, this was a packed show. I want to thank you even before I do my closing. I want to thank you for keeping it all together. If you were not already a professional juggler, now you are. You've been listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Wallach. Thank you for making us part of your day. Let's go through the lineup, what you know, what to expect, and, of course, what not to miss. Nachum starts the live lunch in about three minutes and ten seconds, give or take. That goes on till 1 o'clock, followed by Sound Advice and the Stunt Show, hosted by Gorf. Have you seen his new video? You should definitely check it out. Then the encore presentation of Homeward Bound by the book and the court report. And then Michael Fragan with Spin Class at 6 p.m., Charlie Burnout at 7. You hear that music in the background, people? Make it a little louder, Avram. Yep, that's Deddy, Lecha Etain. You know what that means? That means we're going to Israel, please God, next week. That's my psych-up music. That's my pump-up music. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as he hosts JM and the AM live here on the stream at NachumSiegel.com, JMandTheAM.org. Malcolm Holmline with the update. Please God, tomorrow morning, don't miss it. And Naomi, table for two at 9 a.m. Of course, you don't want to miss that as well. Season 2 programming, it's on our website, NachumSiegel.com. My thanks again to Avrami, my thanks to Leon, my thanks to Yummy, my thanks to Seth, and my thanks to Moshe. Guys, go out and give. Give what you can. Give of your time, give of your money, and give of your heart. That's life, everyone. Bye, guys. Tchau,